Welcome to Agents Influence Podcast, brought to you by the parent company, Grow Program. Grow Program helps agents utilize online tools to help market and brand their agency online. Find out more information at www.growprogram.com. Also remember, we have a very strict antitrust and comments policy. You can find those policies online at agentsinfluence.com. Now let your voice be the sound of your feet upon the ground. Let's go. Hey, this is Jason Cass again with Agents Influence Podcast. Before we get into the podcast, I just want to tell everybody about something that's exciting. Next week on April 24th at 10 a.m. Central Standard Time, we are going to be having our special panel. We're going to broadcast it through a Google Hangout that we're going to broadcast through the world. We're going to broadcast it through our YouTube channel, through Google+, and it's going to be live, and it's going to be interactive for you. But, you know, just in case you're not on YouTube or you don't have a Google+, Plus, don't worry. And in this uh, email with this podcast and emails coming out over the next week, we're going to have a link to a website that you can just simply click and you will watch it live starting at April 24th at uh, 10 uh, 10 a.m. Central Standard Time, excuse me. So that's going to be a great time. We're even going to allow you to comment live so that we can read those comments to our panel. And uh, I'm just going to keep secret who's on the panel right now, but you just need to know one thing. Click on the link that we're going to give you April 24th, 10 a.m. Central Standard Time. See you there. Now, back on to the podcast. Hey, uh, this is Jason Cass once again with Agent Interview Podcast. Um, we've got a great uh, person here on the line, as someone who I have looked up to in my 12 years in the business. Uh, I saw his first class when I was in the Dells in uh, Wisconsin. I think it was in 2004, I believe is when it was. So it was about two, two and a half years in the business. And, uh, you know, I've, um, I really admire this guy and his name is Steve Anderson. I may be speaking outside the box, but, or or outside the lines when I say this a little bit, but I don't think there's really very many people in this industry that have not heard of Steve Anderson, been to his website, heard that he was going to be speaking at a class or doing, or had him consult inside their office. So I feel very privileged that Steve has, uh, allowed me to do this. Uh, A little side note, I guess when you go to conference, and you become involved in what's going on in the industry. You meet people like Steve, and then so Steve finally gives you enough time. So do appreciate it. So Steve, I want to introduce uh, you and uh, have us tell you a little bit about who you are and uh, what's kind of going on. So once again, Steve Anderson. Great, Jason. Thank you. Um, Well, the short elevator speech is I've worked in two agencies during my career. Uh, One in the Washington, D.C. area, worked there 13 years uh, in the 80s and left there in 1990. Uh, sold uh, internal operations, but also brought in our first in-house agency management system uh, in about 1982 or 1983. Uh, So that's where I got my taste and fingers on some of the technology that was coming into agencies at those early days. Uh, Left, ended up moving to the Dallas-Fort Worth area of Texas, started doing a little consulting, uh, and through that met two gentlemen who owned an agency that were looking to grow. And uh, I came into that agency as a producer, commercial producer, and built a book of business from uh, late 1990 through uh, 1999 when I ended up leaving and and going out on my own. Uh, That agency, in addition to selling, uh, I also was involved in internal projects and and stuff. 
Um, I always tell people the thing that kind of put that agency on the map is we began scanning all of our paper files, policies and correspondence and all of that uh, in 1994. Oh, man. Yeah, we were very early uh, in in adopting that electronic document management. And that's kind of what started me having a little bit broader industry um, visibility. I started writing a column in Rough Notes. I started teaching for the National Alliance. I started doing some conventions and and so started talking about what agents could do uh, as they use technology. Uh, left in 1999, started my own business. Uh, my wife and I, Karen, we moved to a wonderful little town right outside Nashville, uh, where we uh, currently reside, and um, uh, have a great time here. Fantastic. So I know you fly around, and I mean, I, I mean, how many presentations did you probably do just last year? I mean, you're everywhere. I mean, well, I uh, I've been resistant of actually counting that because I'm not sure I want to know. Uh, <laughs> But using some of the travel tools that I do, uh, like TripIt, uh, last year I was gone uh, 225 nights. Wow. Wow. That's good for the miles on the uh, old uh, airline miles. Well, you know, my family kind of likes me traveling, so uh, they tend to have (laughs) things to do with those miles. And and you also do some consulting in uh, offices, right? I do. Yeah. So today I do a newsletter I publish. I do quite a bit of writing. subscription newsletter, free uh, newsletter, uh, weekly called Tech Tips, um, teach for the National Alliance, do some consulting work, and, and also develop some products and services for agencies to, to help them understand how to use various tools that are out there. Well, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think something that the listeners need to know about, which is just awesome, is uh, you were chosen by LinkedIn uh, for something special. And I, I totally forgot this wasn't even in my list of questions. Um, explain what that was, uh, how your relationship is with LinkedIn. It's kind of a special one. Yeah, it is. So um, last August, actually, uh, LinkedIn approached me. And the funny part about that is I thought it was spam. Uh, I almost didn't <laughs> respond. I mean, and it said, you know, it was from an editor at LinkedIn Today, um, Chip Cutter's his name. We are starting this new program. We'd like you to be involved. And I was like, really? Um, but I did respond. We had a phone call. We kind of continued that conversation. And uh, I was late September. They launched the Influencers Program. Um, started with 150 people. Uh, I was one of those 150 initial uh, people. And what that provides in LinkedIn is, is as LinkedIn is moving more to a uh, media type platform. Um, it's hooked in with LinkedIn today, and that group actually has a um, an internal LinkedIn blogging platform. So we can post articles of of a uh, full article, so five, six, seven, eight hundred words, whatever we want. Um, and then through LinkedIn today, they actually promote those different influencers. Um, so uh, as of last week, the last time I checked, I had over 43,000 followers. Um, wow. And that's a little different. So connections are still the same where, Jason, if you want to connect with me, I have to agree to that connection. And then we're connected. If I don't agree, we aren't. Okay. Followers, people can follow me without me having to do anything. So it's more like a Twitter follower. Okay. Yeah. Uh, but it's only available currently. And, you know, we'll see what LinkedIn does in the future. But currently, it's only available for those influencers. Was it, am I correct? 150 influencers right now? Is that all they had, or that's what well, they, started they started with? With 150, I think they're they continue to add, but they're pretty selective. Uh, but I think they're just under 200 now. What did and they so, say was the reason? How'd they get you specifically? Did he tell I you? I asked that. 
And frankly, they didn't either know, remember, could tell. Um, the particular editor uh, was from New York and had been in the financial services industry. And he said he had run across me in the past. Okay. Uh, and, you know, I will tell you, um, before it was called content marketing, um, you know, one of the best ways to get visibility, to get people to to listen to what you have to say is to put content out there. It, and, and that started for me in 1995 or so with writing a column in Rough Notes magazine. I mean, that's still the same principle. You never know where somebody's going to come across you and you're going to hit a chord. You're going to, you know, do whatever. And I, for me, this is an interesting example of that. Well, and taking that directly into the agency, that's exactly what we're talking about. Now, once again, this is next month's topic, more on the marketing side of it. But, I mean, that's the power of uh, content marketing. I mean, your audience grew to the fact that it was other agents or other agencies or companies and just people that you're influencing now specifically. But, I mean, we can take that directly to our clients. And that's just, a, once again, nice content, rich media, all that stuff going forward. So, so fantastic. Well. Tell us a little bit real quick about the, uh, the report that you right am i right when i say tar right it is tar okay uh, it was caught was uh up until i don't remember how many years ago the automated agency report actually started by uh, three gentlemen in the 80s uh rick morgan uh, lauren parsons and john ashenhurst uh rick morgan's still around I, I think you know rick um i actually bought the magazine from rick in 2001 took it over and then uh, probably five years ago or so changed the name to the anderson agency report i actually the word automated sounded like it was from the 80s, um, and so I wanted to change that, but I didn't want to lose that tar brand. Wow, I didn't realize that. That worked out perfect, didn't it? It did, actually. So I was nervous about putting my name on it, but, you know, again, as I've learned over time, um, you know, that can be okay, too. Where so can people get that? How can they get that? Um, they can go to my website, steveanderson.com, or tar Report. And that's T-A-A-R-E-P-O-R-T. Um, either one of those websites, they can subscribe. They can ask for a you know, sample edition. It's monthly, more in-depth articles. We have several different writers. Um, you know, I do reviews of products and services, um, uh, various content that I think an agency needs to know about. Fantastic, fantastic. Now, when we talk about getting into this, and you're talking about you started scanning in 1994, is that correct? In the agency, That's correct. Okay. Yep. And here we are, almost 20 years later. And of all the places that you're going out and you're talking to agencies and stuff out there, um, I say a lot of times when I'm doing presentations, Steve, is that anybody who tells you they're 100% paperless is lying to you. And I, and I, you know, I usually get a good laugh off that. It usually makes people feel good because they're like, gosh, because I just think that the, the, the world we live in doesn't allow us to be 100% paperless. Now, I always say that up front, I'm very uh, non-paperless. But once I write the policy and then I go forward, I would say my paperless goes way up. Um, of all the agencies you're seeing out there, if you could just give a general uh, percentage, what do you think of the agencies out there that are paperless or are scanning? Let's say that, scanning their, their okay, information. So, um, so again, I have whole presentations on this uh, particular topic, so I'll try and be uh, short and brief. So scanning as a term is capturing a piece of paper electronically. So it's making a photocopy, it's that electronic image. The reality today is we have a lot of documents that we capture that are already electronic. So 
PDF policies, uh, uh, endorsements from the carrier. We have emails. We have texts. Text. We have you know all kinds of different types of documents. So I would say, and I'm pulling a number out of my my head right now, but I would say, I would say 60 to 70 percent of agencies would say they're scanning, to use your term. I would say they're using a second generation document management system. Um, I totally agree with you. The way I phrase it is, I in my lifetime, I don't think I will see an agency that's paperless, but I will absolutely see an agency that's less paper. Oh, good one. So, so a, a little different. I think we'll have paper for a while, even something to the point of faxes. I got rid of a fax machine probably 10 years ago. I got rid of my e-fax number probably three or four years ago. But what I realized when I had some personal uh, uh, managing an estate for uh, some, some family members, there are organizations who will not accept an attachment to an email. They only will accept physical mail or a fax. So I had to resurrect a fax number to send stuff back and forth. So there are some examples of that and reasons why some of that technology, I think, will stay around longer. Now, that doesn't mean we can't more effectively manage it internally. And let me give you a quick example of that. Please. And in my consulting, uh, one of the things I do is an agency productivity audit. So I go into an agency and actually evaluate where they are in terms of their technology utilization and productivity. And to do that, I actually sit and watch people work for extended periods of time. Um, and I see lots of things. Um, in faxing, I see people get faxes electronically, see it on a screen, and then print it out. Oh, my goodness. Because, you know, that's what they're used to. Right. right. But and, and, and I can be a little flexible on that from a culture standpoint and trying to change that agency culture where I get really what's the right word on my soapbox is um, when they scan that fax that's been printed out back in because that's the process of capturing that to attach it to a client file, right? So, and, and I'm going to step back a second and make this comment. I think the biggest issue with technology implementation in agencies today is not the technology. The technology seldom fails. Our implementation of the technology fails, and I think where that goes is that the agency owner slash manager, right, depending on size of organizations, are not leading technology, meaning they allow agency staff to do whatever they want. And, and that means the technology isn't implemented, so you're not getting full benefits. And I, I put it directly on leadership, not IT not technology vendors. And, yet, and again, we could talk about all the issues and problems. They're there, no question. Mm -hmm. But ha absolutely having leadership that will say, this is what we have to do. And this is the way we're going to do it in this organization. And you've probably witnessed that firsthand. I mean, the leaders out there that are saying, we're going to do this, it's going to be implemented. Obviously, they're doing it. And I mean, I assume there are more... 
um, efficient, which means, I mean, are, are you hearing from these leaders who have decided to do this and these managers that, I mean, it's helping their bottom line? I mean, I know a li- listeners out there, right? And that's one thing they're, they really want to know is, I mean, is that, is that something that's going to help? And not only because you, uh, I just, I, I want to keep that question, but it's so hard sometimes to move our CSRs and are to move our pr- producers or our agents. And, you know, I heard a saying one time that says, if you can't change your people, change your people. And, and I really, really love that saying. I mean, what are you seeing in, in, as, as to be the driver of why the leaders out there are making that move to do this? Well, I, I don't think, and I will broaden this, I, don't, I, I have not seen many agency leaders, again, agency owners like yourself in a smaller, agency managers in a larger, I have not seen agency leaders being willing to take those steps, which is, our customers are changing faster than our our willingness to adapt. We have to make these changes. If you can't make those changes, then you probably don't have a position here anymore. We're not willing to say that. And I think partly, and again, there's some flexibility here. I understand that, but you know, we have people who've been in the industry for years and years. They have lots of knowledge and experience, and we don't want to give that up. Yet on the other hand, as an industry, we certainly are not known for being on the leading edge. We're, we're not even known for being on the blade. It's less on the leading edge. I love you know, that. I mean, and, and as we look at, I mean, our biggest strategic issue coming in the next 10 years is, um, is replacing people who are going to retire. A, 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 you know, a agency universe study just came out earlier this year. 50% of agency staff is going to be retired, gone in 10 years. How are we going to bring new people in when we look at our systems now and they they laugh at what we consider to be advanced technology? And I don't do you not think that that hurts the um, the uh, the retaining of if even young people? I oh, mean, no about it. Yeah, I mean it's 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 got to be frustrating. I came from an agency that was like that, you know, and. Uh, and, and, and the thing is, is also we don't sometimes know because we live in our own little world, you know, and so the young agent in that world and sometimes principals don't want to let their young agents go to conferences and meetings because they're scared that they'll find out other things. And, and, and you know, there's a little bit of truth to that. And I hate to say that, but when you go out there and you find out what the other agencies are doing, sometimes you strike up a conversation and you'll say, here's a frustration of my agency. And they go, well, man, don't you have download for that? Or, you know, isn't there, there's real-time technology, and you're like, whoa, whoa, what's that? And, um, yeah, yeah, it's got to be killing our youth. It, well, it, I think it is. And, you know, it, it, and part of this is kind of my thinking, um, I don't know what the right word is, percolating around, but it, it, there's, I've talked a lot about kind of generational differences, um, but I, I think we, well, here's the phrase I'm using right now. We've got experience of old people like me, and we've got experience. Yes. And younger younger people like you or others, young agents coming in, need that experience. Yes, you're right. Passion. Yes. And 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 I'm stealing this phrase from Daniel Burris. Uh, uh, he's a LinkedIn influencer and wrote an article. Love him. We need to stop the generational wars in our workplace, and we need to combine that experience with that passion. And when we do that then the technology becomes um, almost a second thought because everybody's experimenting with something new. So let me give you a real concrete example. Please, it's what we and, want. And um, 
at Higgins, uh, small agency, 12 workstations up in upstate New York. Ed's been around a long time, very uh, progressive in his thinking. Uh, last fall, um, decided to experiment, at one first point, decided to experiment with putting voice recognition software on one CSR's desktop. And um, long story, which I don't have time to go into it, came back a couple weeks later and the CSR wasn't using it. Ed was kind of surprised, realized the microphone wasn't quite right, so he got a different kind of microphone. She started using it, decided it worked really well, rolled that out to every workstation. Came back a month later, nobody was using it. And he was again surprised and decided that he would sit with every CSR for 15 minutes every day, every workday for a month and help them, encourage them, tell them how to use it a month. Think of the time commitment yeah. for agency owner, but think of the leadership in the agency. And the, and the comment that struck with me in his article is, I think that voice recognition software has provided us the biggest technology boost since multiple monitors. Really? Yeah. So, but really had to force it on who? Staff who were asked to change, asked to change habits. And, and the staff said, I, you know, we can type faster than we can talk. Well, he did time trials and talking was twice as fast as typing. Wow. So, um, you know, what, just, what, what a software did he use? Dragon, naturally that, speaking. That's what I use. Latest, that's what I use. Yeah. Latest version is 12.5. And it's, you know, it's a lot of agents tried it like, I don't know, five, 10 years ago and it was no good. And they have that same theory in their head. I, I thought, I can't remember. I think I paid 120, $140 for, I can't remember, but that, that's what I was scared about. And, right. and my goodness, I mean, I can do a lot of things. I mean, when, even when it comes to dictating your activities and your notes inside Absolutely. your management system, I mean, it's, it's flawless. And I will have to say there was a learning curve to using it and stuff, yep. but they have shortcuts on your keys that you can use all type of things. Ryan Hanley just wrote a blog about it about a month ago because he started using it and he can now write a blog like so fast. It's unbelievable. And that's, every, that's every article, great. almost every article I write starts with voice and, and it, yeah, lots of benefits there. So, um, here's another technology and an offer. Okay. If, if your readers would like a copy of that article, then they can text the word on their phone dragon to this phone number area code six, one, five, eight, two, three, eight, two, five, five. So in the two field, put in six, one, five, Eight two three eight two five five, and then in the text field, put in the just the word dragon, D R A G O N, and hit send. Wow, that's cool. Do you have a lot of things that you send out that way? I mean, are, are... I have been experimenting with text marketing contact for probably six or eight months, and I finally, I think, gotten what I think works really well. So you can experience the process of what I've built with that text. Um, wow. Then, awesome. Yeah. And then that information is captured into my marketing platform, a double opt in email sent out. So they have to double opt in, uh, and then they'll get a link to download the, uh, the PDF reprint of the, uh, article. through the text, they'll get the link or it comes to email or what? It comes to email. Okay. Um, 
could send it through text, but most people are still unsure about kind of how to do that and, right. and might not want to read it just on their phone. Okay. Awesome. Um, you know, when it comes to, once again, want to keep it simple, but when we talk about uh, operational technology, we do talk about the technology that we use as an agency to our clients, Correct. not so much as a, ta as a sales tool and marketing, which we can. Um, but I mean, what... I was at a, a presentation you did in Louisiana last summer, and you did it uh, on mobile technology, which I thought was awesome. I mean, really opened my eyes to some stuff, especially how little um, – I think one of the things you said is how uh, there's really not a lot of people that have smartphones, but yet smartphone technology is like huge right now. And so when you, when you think about how many people, when they finally do all have smartphones – I mean, how powerful this is going to be. I mean, what what are some of those technologies? I mean, can you use the text? Can you use the technology to go back and forth that to, to talk inside an agency, talk outside of an agency? I mean, any ideas Again, on that? Yeah. So so broad question. I'll bring it into a couple of uh, points. So um, I'm actually doing a, an a article uh, on mobile apps for agencies. So that's a, a, a little piece there. And I've only been able to do, identify 186 agencies that have a agency branded app out of 32,500 agencies that are out there. So and how many have it? Say that in number 187. And I'm sure I missed a few. Right. So let's say 200 or 250. But it's um, that's an example of our clients changing faster than our willingness to keep up with them. Oh wow! Oh wow! Uh, now. Um, so, now, so the oh, so the app, you know, does allow texting. It allows email. It allows website. It allows touch to touch to call. Those are all functionalities for the consumer side that um, absolutely can be beneficial. Now, both Vertifor and Applied, obviously two major vendors, have both announced and released in you know first versions their producer mobile um, apps. Uh, those are directed toward produ outside producers for client information. Um, depend, you know, and I will get into the details depending on which uh, platform you're on will depend on what functionality you have. Lookup only, editing or not, and some some of those things. But I think Easy Link as well. I, I was at a conference last week. I think they've come out with a pretty nice one. Am I right about that? Do you know anything about that one? Yeah, they're just coming out, and you know, again, Easy Links is pretty interesting because they're they're adding more functionality to their policy data platform. Mm -hmm. um, I, I think I can start calling it an agency management system, but it's certainly missing a lot of pieces still. But it's new. You know, yeah. that's okay. Uh, I'm not saying They anything. seem to be very adaptive. They're moving very well, fast. Yeah, they are. Uh, and, and I think what at least I read um, was they are, they are or have created a mobile – consumer portal for quoting. So if I have on my website the ability to go to EasyLink's consumer quoting piece, that's now mobile friendly. Wow. So somebody on their mobile device can go and get a quote. Wow. That's I met their owners down there in Texas and I, I was blown away that those guys they, they move quick. I mean they <laughs> They get, you know, and, and, and not to go, go against Vertifor or Applied, but it's sometimes when you get so big, it's so hard to move as quickly as the smaller ones, you know? I mean, about it. it's just the nature of the beast. It is the nature of the beast. You know, yeah. and again, I go back to technology leadership within agency organizations, you know, and for Applied and Vertifor with thousands of agencies, 
you know, they develop more to the middle, not to the leading edge, because they've got to make a business case. Are there going to be enough agencies adapt and adopt this new technology to make it worthwhile for us to, to move that forward? Another thing also, you say talk about a mobile app, but just making your your website mobile friendly. Yes. I'm getting to the point now that when I read blogs, when I go to any website, I am like completely turned off. I mean, the what is it, the pension squeeze or, you know, the, whatever, yeah. the, that gets old anymore, you know? And, and it's amazing how like even like some major corporations do not have it. And I mean, I think... I'm not sure, but I think I paid $60 for a plugin for my WordPress. And it was like, boom, it was mobilized in like two minutes. And, oh, my gosh. I mean, you're probably seeing a lot of that not happening as well. Yeah, I am. And, and really kind of the, the where that's going um, is what's called adaptive design, meaning that the website actually detects the user interface that's coming and automatically adapts to that screen size, uh, meaning uh, smartphone, tablet, laptop, desktop, and, and future now would be TV, because that is the fourth screen that people will be using. Yeah. Um, actually, it's amazing to me, TV is so in the dark ages in terms of interaction. Think about how you search for something on Netflix or on your TV, you're punching numbers in like it was a feature phone. It drives me nuts. <laughs> it uh, does. It does. You know, I've read some articles that Google's going to pretty much change through YouTube um, the ways that they are. Uh, they they literally say that they've recognized that people are tired of paying a hundred dollars a month for them to watch for themselves to watch four or five channels. I mean, seriously, it's getting old. And Google has said that they've created a market there to where they believe that they can allow you to watch any channel that you want. And, and you're going to have open. I mean, for instance, me, my wife and I, we have Showtime. We very rarely ever watch Showtime. We watch it because of Dexter. I mean, yes. seriously, I know that's a little morbid, but that's the reason why we watch it. And so, but we spend this money. And and I think Google's saying you can watch Showtime when you want, and we're going to charge you either by the minute or by the episode. And they're saying that they can somehow deliver this between $45 to $65, $75 a month, and probably even less than that. They said that the one thing that's not allowing them to do this, and I read this like about a year ago, is that the broadband is not to where it needs to be. You can get one person in one household that could have the broadband, but when the whole um, neighborhood is sharing that line. It, it, it really, I think they said 250 to 350 uh, megabyte download is what they're actually going to need to be able to, to, to make it. You heard anything along that line? Yeah, actually. And, and what they've rolled out is called Google Fiber to help with that, which they've rolled it out in Kansas City first. And actually, there are rumors, uh, they're, they're going to announce this week that Austin will get it. And Google Fiber provides one gigabyte download and like 500 megabyte upload oh my goodness yeah it's it's astronomical uh in terms of the the speed. oh my goodness that's like yeah. five so that's 1000 yeah uh, megabyte download yes wow and, and i think again back to your point why google's experimenting with this is to push the cable companies and the others because actually in the United States, we have among the lowest broadband speeds available to us worldwide. Um, really? and, you know, lots of political and all kinds of stuff for reasons why, you know, but Google's uh, 
whole goal is to have internet access faster so our experience is better. So we'll go to Google to search for stuff. And I guess back to the agencies, I mean, using that type of video conferencing, uh, you know, I, I, once again, we don't promote anybody here. We just try to tell you about the good tools that are out there. Uh, my buddy Brian, our partner here at Agents Influence, our parent company, Grow Program, they have been using AnyMeeting.com. And AnyMeeting.com is actually free. Now, right. they put ads on the side, but really they're no big deal. But I have saw, I mean, I encourage people to go out there. If you have multiple locations or you're trying to train your CSRs um, to be able to put stuff in all of you speak, almost kind of like a Google Hangout in a way, but it's absolutely free. And, I mean, you can use it as an internal mobile um, webinar. How are you seeing anything off the top of your head? Sorry, this wasn't anticipated for you, uh, Steve, to be able to, that agencies are using technology to train and to assist their, their, their agents in, uh, or I'm sorry, their CSRs and agents and the company personnel to, to, through technology. Well, I, and again, I think it, like you've said, I think the, the online webinar, I'm seeing the, the management system vendors, almost all of them, um, do more and more online training prior to in-house where they might actually come in. Um, and we're seeing that with the National Alliance and CIC experimenting with CISR online. A CRM program now you can do through webinar uh, interaction. And I, I, I don't think it's quite as good. Uh, I think you lose some of the give and take that happens in a live audience. But I okay. think a lot of topics that are certainly more technical in nature, you're looking for the information and I think could work quite well. Um, so there's no question. I, what I encourage agencies to do is uh, use video for training. Um, I mean, one of the worst things we do in our agencies is train new staff coming in because we recreate training every time a new staff person comes in instead of let's outline the training we need and let's start recording. And people can now go today. You're going to go listen to these four, you know, 15 minute um, videos on how this works in our agency. Right. It's actually create a library of help, of tutorials, of information. I use a uh, screencast through Snagit. Um, uh -huh. And so I will record if I am going to do some uh, applications and put them into AMS, or, oh, sorry, into my management system. I try not to, once again, I try not to steer people one way or another. Um, and I put them into my management system. I will then record it if it's something that hasn't been done before. And then it uploads automatically to screencast. I only use them because that's who Snagit recommended. And right. then it sits out there and I can send her a link and I can also library those things. So right. she can go in there and see it and if something happened to Lori uh, my assistant I use through wave uh, who's I was gonna make a comment I mean you're you're doing yourself what is the future of agencies which is does it really matter that Lori's in Denver no no it doesn't it doesn't it's you I mean and again that's a mindset change mm -hmm. so the technology's there so that's not the issue it's a mindset change again on managers and agency owners to how do you know Lori's doing any work how do I manage somebody remotely? How do I do, right? Um, and so the whole virtual agency, I think is, it's not for everybody. I, I think you do need for a lot of reasons, maybe some physical presence for some agencies. I agree. But the days of having big offices that are very expensive because you've got everybody coming in, I won't say are gone. I mean, I think that's ridiculous, but I think certainly if we think differently, we can 
we can see a future where the technology is enabling us to think differently about how we serve our clients most effectively. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, that's the number one question I get is how do you know she's working? You know how I know? Because I give her work and she does it. It's <laughs> done. I mean, it's... And honestly, Jason, do you care that she does it in three hours or eight hours? I mean, I don't because I mean, obviously, but I will tell you this. I mean, I, I use her a lot, Steve. And, and I mean, very rarely do I pay her more than 15 to 20 hours a week. I mean, right. because she just does it. And her and I agreement is, is that I don't care when you do it. Um, her, her and I have a very simple thing. And this is for everybody out there to understand. If I give her something, she has 24 hours to get it back to me. That's as simple as it is. If I need it in four or eight, I will tell her. Tell her. And 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 she is so uh, she has a smartphone and an iPad. That was one thing that I requested through Wave. You can get them exactly how you need them. I mean, I know we're still talking about people, but right. you can really get exactly what you want for your agency. And. Um, if I have something that needs to be done in two hours, I can tell her that in the email and she'll most of the time get it done because she's still at home upstairs doing her laundry. So she runs downstairs and does it. Or she will hit me and say, hey, Jason, I'm at the grocery store. I'm not going to be able to get this to you. Um, you know, And then, you know, then what, what I do? I do it myself. You know, right. I mean, it's that simple. Right. And, 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 you know, I guess if you're a growing agency, maybe you have, even have two or three um, uh, assistants. But here's the one thing that I think is so monumental for people to understand. When you're starting a new agency, sometimes people say, well, after three to five years, I'll be able to hire somebody. And that's really because they're spending money on brick and mortar. And with me, I was able, really, I could have probably got Lori probably after 18 to 24 months. I decided to wait, I think it was a little bit before three years. But that was, I mean, really, I had my friends and my other agency owner guys saying, hey, man, you need somebody. You can't quit growing. And I did look at my numbers, and I was not growing the way that I was. And I should have done it about 18 to 24 months. But if you're trying to start a new agency, that's something you can't do because the cost is too much. Um, right. And so I'm able to have Lori and all my other expenses and still have my costs so low it's unbelievable. And and, and I just think that that was something that I didn't realize until. And I've got agents that call me all the time. They said, how did you afford Lori, man? I'm, I'm four years into the business starting my own agency and I can't do it. And, and Steve, it's because they're paying $1,200 a month for their lease and they're paying $500 for their, for their electric bill. You know, my electric bill's already paid when I pay my personal, my personal bills. You know what I mean? My internet's already paid for all that stuff. So go on and on about that. But, uh, but, um, well, I, I really, I mean, seriously, you, we could go on and on and about this. And I mean, and, and, and I just want you to think about anything, Steve, that maybe we didn't hit on that's important for agencies. Let me ask you this real quick. If, if I'm an agency owner out there and I'm listening to Steve and I finally said to myself, you know what, this is, I am the leader of this organization. I need to start doing something. I need to start putting something in place. Where is one general area that you would have an agency owner start or look at that just to start, keep it simple, stupid, the old KISS formula, and, and grow off of that? What what would you say? You know, I probably you probably get asked this a lot. What, what Where would you say to start? Well, I, I actually think a good place to start is, certainly for an existing organization, is is where are we now? You know, getting a good idea of what are we using, what are we not using, where are we being effective, where are we not being effective? And um, I created a lot of years ago uh, an agency productivity audit, self audit, 
it's online. It's I think that it, every year it changes a little bit, but it's 80 some questions that every answer has a score associated with it. Some are plus, some are minus, depending on how you answer the question. Um, but you can go to my website or the TAR report website and actually fill that out and get a score. And then I kind of gauge where you are uh, in terms of doing a great job or needing some help and take those questions and ones that you don't think you're doing very well with and start looking at why not, what are we, what tools do we have? And again, I'll go back to what I said earlier, the technology's there. I mean, we talked about real time and download and management systems and, and even management systems. Um, there are, my last count is 35 agency management system products from 25 different vendors. So there's a management system for every agency, even a single person that's affordable. That obviously doesn't do everything. I mean, you pay more, it gets more. But that's a great place to start. Centralized place that helps you process stuff. Um, but know where you are now and then start a plan. You're not going to do everything right away. Uh, it's going to take time. But identify what you think could be the biggest productivity improvements and work on those first. And work on them with the least amount of money. I mean, multiple monitors. If you don't have them, I think most people do today. But that's the a least amount of money, biggest productivity improvement example. Mm -hmm. And so, also, the having the management system, as you're saying, uh, increases, in my opinion, one of the most important. With it being real time day tomorrow, we're doing this on Monday the eighth, and real time day is tomorrow. I mean, just downloads. Just getting that stuff so it's not being entered in multiple times. People right. don't understand. It's not only the efficiency of that, but it's also um, not only the productivity, but the uh, oh gosh, I'm failing for the word, the correctness, the um, it, it's the accuracy. It, accuracy. Thank you very much. <clears throat> accuracy of that stuff is tremendous. I mean, it's coming directly from the company into your system, and so I think that that's where a major, major time saver, efficiency, accuracy, everything could be could really really go. Yeah, there's no question. And again, sometimes it doesn't work. So back to your comment about voice recognition five years ago, yeah, maybe didn't work as well. It does today. Mm -hmm. So if you haven't tested it in six months, you need to start again. And you need to be persistent. You need It will get worked out. I mean, it is a good tool. So agency owners and leaders and managers, don't let your staff says it doesn't work. Probe them. Ask them. Tell them to prove to you why it doesn't work and who have you talked to at the company to, to try and fix it. It's not just that it doesn't work. That that doesn't fly with me anymore. Okay. So, Steve, to wrap this up, could you give us some information? Uh, we, you've mentioned your website um, and you've mentioned where we could get a couple reports. Do you want to give us your email address, uh, phone number? What's the best way that someone can get a hold of you to, to talk more about this stuff? Actually, probably the best way is to go to my website, steveanderson.com, and a contact me form and kind of gives a little bit of an idea of the type of thing you'd like to talk with me about, and I'll be, uh, be glad to respond uh, uh, to that. Fantastic. That is awesome. And then all my social stuff is there and all of that. So. All the ways to connect with you. All the ways to connect. Yeah, and I appreciate this. Uh, you know, your time is very, very valuable. I look up to you highly. And I, I really, I really appreciate you giving the listeners this, just these little tidbits. I hope that it helps you um, because I know that uh, when I say helps you, I'm not talking about you financially. You'll be able to help other people. 
And we have got to move this industry forward. I mean, I love your thing. We're not on the cutting edge. We're not even on the blade. Oh, my gosh. I'm going to use that. That is awesome. <laughs> and, uh, you know, and the other thing I heard you is people need to be flexible. One of my mentors always said is blessed are the flexible for they don't get bent out of shape. Yeah. And I love that because we have to be flexible. We have to be willing to invent new ideas and think. And, I, and I'm starting to see a lot of people talk about uh, the leaders of the future and what they'll be like. And one thing you're hearing uh, consistently through them is creativity and adaptability because we all hate change but the fact is it happens and it's happening faster and faster every day I mean it's it's amazing and tell me if I'm wrong about this but I think that there was a couple days out there where Google recorded that there were more people who looked up searches on their mobile device than on the lap on their on their computer and then I think it fell back was it am yeah, I wrong I think, about that uh, I don't remember hearing that but okay I can't, I can't pull out the percentage now but uh, Again, that's why I think mobile is such a big deal um, and that we've got to adapt our systems, our platforms, our interfaces, and as you say, with our clients, but also with our carriers. Mm -hmm. And, you know, our carriers, frankly, are moving slower than we are as agents. You're um, right. So, you know, they've got issues with legacy systems and things like that. But again, we've got to work together as an industry to get all of these pieces working better together as we move into the future. No question in my mind. And Jason, I, I, I thank you for kind of stepping out and, and uh, helping all of us think a little differently about what we need to do. I, I do. You know, I recognize that there was no outlet like this. There's no outlet for us to all come together and say what we have to say, being respectful, um, understanding, once again, I hit this all the time, antitrust policy that we have at agentsinfluence.com. We, we, we don't play around with that. And um, and our comments policy. But I, I, I we needed this, you know. We need people to say, um, once again, and I'm not going back to Steve Anderson for his own good, but we need people to hear Steve and so that the next time they see him at a convention or doing a conference or something to say, I'm going to go see this guy. Because the more you listen to the Steve Andersons out there, the more they're going to want to start changing. So it's not about Jason Cass. It's not about Steve Anderson. It's about you understanding that this is real. And, um, and, and, and I encourage you, just in some of the classes I've seen, Steve, it'll absolutely blow your mind. If you think that you like this, this podcast, you're going to absolutely love some of the stuff that he's going to say. Because, you know, as I say before, he'll, he'll make you realize that you, whether you like it or not, your cheese has been moved and is continuing to be moved. And you better stay with it or you're going to get hungry. Um, so... I uh, thank you, Steve, for your time. This has been awesome. Uh, I think that they're going to love it. Um, and uh, and if you have any questions, feel free to comment on agentsinfluence.com. Um, please tell us where you think Steve's wrong. Tell us where Steve's right. And tell us where Steve is just absolutely loony because those are the things we want to hear because we want to confront those and make you realize that it's just not Steve that has these thoughts. It's lots of agents and uh, consultants all across the industry. So, Steve, once again, thank you for your time. And this has been the Agents Influence podcast presented to you by Grow Program, the parent company of Agent Influence. Thank you.